Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today from around the world, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now let us begin. Welcome back to a brand new episode on the Living Parables podcast. I am so grateful to you all for joining me today. And we're going to start this off by asking a question. The question is, where are you planted? Where are you planted? Today, we're going to be primarily set in Psalm chapter 1. And if you have not read Psalm chapter 1, you are in for such a wonderful treat today. And if you have read it, and maybe it's been a while, this is going to be a great refresher for you. And a lot of head nodding. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Really great stuff here. So I go back to the question, where are you planted? As we read through this passage of Scripture, and Psalm chapter 1 only has six verses, but as we read through this, you are going to see a stark contrast of two places you are planted and also two distinctions between the righteous and the wicked. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and start. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Verse 4, The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, let's go ahead and head back and let's revisit our question of the day, which is, where are you planted? Well, my friends, there are two places, either by streams of water or a barren wasteland. So which one are you planted in? Well, we have to break down both of these to really find out. So what we're going to do is we're going to start going through Psalm chapter 1. And we're going to go through and look at some other scriptures that really give us a clear picture of what by streams of water are and a barren wasteland are. Okay? So... Verse 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Bless here means intensive, very happy joy. Is the man who does not repeat, does not walk, does not live, does not go along with, doesn't follow, doesn't accompany in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel here means advice, plans, or schemes of the wicked, the evil, the guilty, those who are opposing the ways of God and God himself. It says also, nor stand in the path or way of sinners. And sinners here are willing opponents of God and opponents of his law also says here, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. 
And the seat here means assembly, their house. And scoffers means mockers of God or of moral values that come from God. So I have to pose this other question to you. Who are you spending your time with? Who are you spending your time with? The Bible clearly says in 1 Corinthians 15.33 that bad company corrupts good morals. Another translation says bad company corrupts good character. Both basically the same thing. Who are you spending your time with? Who is influencing you in the way you think, act, and speak? Because I have news for you. Those whom you hang around with, eventually and quickly, you will become just like. And that's just the way it goes. And so are you in the path of sinners? Do you sit with scoffers? Are you walking in counsel of the wicked? Or are you with the people of God? And you know, let's just let's just hang here for a minute. When you are in the counsel of the wicked, in the path of sinners, and sit at the seat of scoffers, in those times, it's easy to go along with the flow. When people are saying things, joking, laughing, having a great time, I mean, people don't really want to stand up for the, for the truth. They don't want to stand up for what's right. They want to be accepted. They want to be looked at by their peers as somebody who is one of them. And when you start calling people out for their wrongdoings, that's when you start forming enemies. That's the fastest way. You want to you want to see who your real your real friends are? Speak to them about God. Tell them that their ways are evil. Now, here's here's something I want to say in this though. Because I know what that sounds like. It sounds like it's self-righteous that you're looking down upon them and that's not what I'm saying at all. The most loving thing you can do, I would also say in a loving way, is to correct them gracefully in their errors. Because we know as believers that if people choose the world over Christ, their punishment of the wrath of God is far worse than anything they could ever imagine. And let me just say this. There are people that are sinners that I care for. There are people in my life right now that do not have God that almost act more Christian than Christians. However, because I respect them, because I might even work with some of them, doesn't mean that I'm going to give them my precious time outside of the workplace. If they are not our brothers and sisters in Christ, they are the mission field. And if you go along with the flow, you participate in some of the joking that takes place in those settings, and you participate in some of the wrongdoings and thinking that, well, just because I have Jesus Christ as my Lord, Master, and Savior, that I can sin here and then ask God to forgive me later, uh, you're, you're on dangerous ground. And those people, the counsel of the wicked, the path of the sinners, and the seat of scoffers, that is the barren wasteland. And let's just be frank here. The barren wasteland is of the world. Satan's playground. If your father is God Almighty through Jesus Christ, 
you are planted by streams of water. If you are of the world, you are of your father, the devil. It's really clear-cut and, and concise. So that, that right there, the counsel of the wicked, path of the sinners, and the seat of scoffers is a little bit of a preview on what the barren wasteland is. Now let's look at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, God's word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Okay. I'm going to stop here for just a minute because that's the end of verse two. But I've said this many times on this show, and I will just revisit one thing I've said in a previous episode that I was in a meeting, big bunch of teachers, big crowd of teachers. And what they were saying is that one way to handle stress throughout the school year is to meditate by emptying your mind completely and letting everything that's bothering you go, send it out into nothingness and all those type of things. Yet the Bible clearly says right here that in his law or in God's word, he meditates day and night. That is what we are supposed to do. If you are planted by the streams of water, by God, then you will meditate on his law, on his word, day and night. That's all you think about. Now, are there other things that come up in this life that we can think about? Absolutely. I'm a married man and father of four. There are plenty of things, plenty of things that come across my mind on a daily. But what I ought to be thinking of in every single situation that comes about, whether it's a situation with my kids, situation at work, situation with my wife, situation with my parents, whatever it is, I should always be meditating on scripture. How can I scripturally speak, think, and act in these trials that come in my path. That's what we're talking about here. When you are blindsided by fill in the blank and it catches you so off guard that it starts to just rattle you on the inside, how do you respond to that? How do you go about that? Well, if you are planted by streams of water, your response will be biblical. It will truly be, what would Jesus do in this situation? Which was a very popular buzz phrase back just a couple decades ago. And I will just say that if you are in the barren wasteland, you will be led by your emotions. You will make very big mistakes you will mistreat the people that are around you. You will act in sinful ways in which there may be even more of a consequence for your actions. However, we are not guided by our emotions. We are guided by the law of the Lord, Holy Scripture. Now let's look at verse 3 because we're talking about the believer here right now. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Now, what kind of water are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the living water, Jesus Christ himself. I want to take you real quick to John chapter 7, verse 38. And we're going to go backwards here also. We're going to go John 4.10 right after that. Listen to this. John 7.38 says, He who believes in me, this is Jesus talking, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water and then jump up to john 4 10 jesus answered and said to her talking about the samaritan woman if you knew the gift of god and who it is who says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water so 
What are we talking about here? A tree, our lives, are planted by streams of the living water. And if you think about it for a minute, a tree that is planted by a stream of water, its roots, its leaves, its branches, its limbs will all be fruitful and always lush with green. That's why in the next portion of this verse, it says, which yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. We will be fruitful. And we're going to go into this a little bit deeper here in a minute. But my friends, we're not planted in this false prosperity gospel. We are planted in Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who sustains us in all things. And I'm going to take you to a few pieces of scripture here. The first one is Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. And we are very familiar with this. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, those are the fruits that we will bear in Christ Jesus. And I also want to take you just briefly here, and I know we've, we've hit on this quite a bit, but I want you to jump with me to John, the 15th chapter, which if you have not read this, I would greatly encourage you to take some time and read it and study it out because this is just fantastic, edifying, sanctifying scripture here. But John 15, we are going to start in the first verse and we are going to end on verse 7. So six verses here, but it says this. I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking again. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I'm going to jump one more verse here. So important. Verse 8. My Father is glorified in this. You want to glorify the Father? Here it is. That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So, it is crucial. Absolutely crucial. To bear fruit in Christ Jesus. Does your life bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit right now? If the answer is I don't know or, or no, you have a big problem. That means you're not abiding in Christ. Because it says very, very clear in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Those are the people that are planted in the barren wasteland. And what else is this barren wasteland? Because we haven't talked about it too much, Nate. Well, I'll tell you. It's those who try to seek out a righteousness of their own or self-righteousness. I can do this on my own, God. I I'm a good person. You know, I I go to church. You know, I, I pay my taxes. 
I volunteer with the, the Little League. I'm on the PTO board at on the school. I mean, I don't, I don't really do anything that, that wrong. I mean, surely God will not keep me out of heaven for just a few little lies, right? Well, if you know anything about Scripture, there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. Also found in Psalms. But the problem here is one word, abide. Abide, abide, abide. Matter of fact, I'm going to do something that I usually don't do. <laughs> uh, I am looking this word up right now. In these first eight verses in John 15, you want to see how many times it says abide? Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Seven times. And if you go through the next three verses, 9, 10, 11, it's found three other times. So 10 total times. Abide, abide, abide. And you know what's truly astounding to me? is far too often when the good times come do we forget God the most boy when those problems come those trials come boy we come a running don't we we're on both our knees and begging and pleading with God but where are you in the good times are you grateful to God during those times are you in prayer are you seeking him out more in those times or are you just coasting because, hey, everything's good. I don't really need God because he's blessing me so, so much. And so now I don't really need him too much. But, man, I'll tell you what. The minute bad things start coming, oh, I, uh, I, Lord, I really need you right now. Where are you? And that's just what's difficult. And just to hang out here for just, just a second more, that word abide means to remain, to stay, to wait, and await. So this path that we're on is a very challenging task. It's a challenging path. And you know, it goes back to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Are you on the broad road or the narrow road? And so, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. And you, you must understand that this is something that you cannot play around with. You cannot waste time in and you can't sit in your self-righteousness and think that everything's okay. But that's what the world does. And one of the most awful things I've heard from professing believers is that well, I don't really care what my children believe as long as they believe in something. And I just, that bothers me to no end. It really does. Because the cost of not following Jesus is far greater of a cost than not following him. It's going to cost us such a heavy burden and heavy price that there's no escape. Yet we willingly plant ourselves in the barren wasteland because in that barren wasteland for a while, hey, we're fine. If you plant a tree in a barren wasteland just for a short while, it will keep its color. But very, very quickly right after that, the leaves start to wither. Roots dry up. And the next thing you know, it's dead, cut down, and burned. That is the destination of those who are in the world and of the world and of their father, the devil. 
But us as believers in Jesus Christ, we are firmly planted in him. And we bear fruit and our leaves do not wither. And whatever we do, we prosper. Whatever we do. Now, does that mean that as a believer, I am going to run to the casino and play some poker and play some craps, and then I'm going to be prosperous in that? No, because that stuff is sinful. That's not what we don't use God for financial gain. We don't use God to get the things that we want. If our desires are not God's desires, they are not biblical. Therefore, they are sinful. You must be really careful with that. And by the way, a little bit of a plot twist in this study. We all, at one point, at one point in our lives, were planted in the barren wasteland. Let me ask you this question right now. Have you ever transplanted a tree or a plant? You ever done that? I can tell you growing up, we did that quite a bit. We were taught by our father, be very careful not to damage the roots as much as possible. Now, obviously with transplanting, you're going to have to damage some roots. Okay? However, when you transplant, you need to transplant in the right place. You can't transplant a tree into soil that are filled with rocks. Does this sound like the parable of the sower? Yeah. So what must we do? Well, we must be planted by something, or in this case, someone who will provide everything that that tree needs to survive. Sunlight water, nutrients. By the way, planted by streams of water is the absolute most perfect place a tree can be planted by. We went from this barren wasteland. We were truly dead. We just didn't know it yet. People, we talked about in Ephesians. We did that book study. We were dead in our transgressions, weren't we? We belong to the kingdom of darkness found in Colossians. Those ring a bell? And yet, what happened? We were saved by Jesus Christ because he took us from that barren wasteland in which eventually we we're going to wither up and burn, and he transplanted us into himself. And so we get the light, who is Jesus Christ. We get the living water, and he is the vine, and we are the branches. He gives us everything we need to be sustained. Think about that for a minute. He is the living water. He is the light of the world. Now, it doesn't say that Jesus Christ is soil by any means. But what he is, is that he is our solid foundation. So please turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, starting in the 11th verse. It says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, he is the light of the world, he is the living water, and he is our foundation. That's what it means. Because Jesus Christ is everything to us. He is the sustainer of our new spiritual inner man. And abiding in him is crucial.
if you have been taken out of the barren wasteland, out of the domain of darkness, out of the light, out of the water, and foundations built upon things which will eventually be burned up, and you've been transplanted into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in whom, once again, is our living hope, our living water, our solid foundation, and the light of this world. If you've been transplanted there, do not take yourself out of there and put yourself back into the barren wasteland again. Don't do it. This world is not worth it. The pleasures of this world are not worth it. It's not worth it at all. Let's read on here because here in verse 4 in Psalm 1 is going to get extremely difficult for the people that are wicked, that are planted in the barren wasteland. Listen to verse 4. The wicked are not so. Wait a minute. They're not so what? Prosperous. They're not prosperous like it was in verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3 because it says the wicked are not so. They're not so what? This is not. Now, going back to verse 3, this is talking about the believer. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water in Jesus Christ, which yield its fruit, bears fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They don't prosper. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. By the way, I had to look up the word chaff because I didn't know what it was. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. It means the dry scaling casing, which protects seeds. In which, after they've done their job, they are considered worthless. So you could say, but they are like worthless chaff, which the wind drives away. In verse 5, therefore, and for this reason, because they are not planted in Jesus Christ, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 5 is utterly terrifying for those who are wicked, sinful, and are planted in the barren wasteland. And doesn't verse 5, especially the first part of verse 5, doesn't that ring a bell for some of us here? I think it does. Standing, judgment. What verse comes to your mind when you hear that? The wicked will not stand in the judgment. Please turn with me to a very, very powerful, powerful chapter in all of the Bible. Matthew 7. Ah, there it goes. Did that light go off in your head? Because when I read this, that's exactly where my mind went. So Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. It says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Psalm chapter 1, verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Matthew 7, 26 and 27. Specifically in verse 27, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. That is divine judgment, my friends. And those who do not abide in Christ, those who do not put into practice and take to heart Christ's words and his teachings, 
are those who are wicked, those who are sinful, and those who are in the barren wasteland, and they will not stand in the judgment. And on the back half of verse 5 in Psalm 1, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They are not going to go to heaven. They are not going to go to heaven. And verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Friends, I cannot hammer this point home any harder than I'm about ready to. The way of the wicked will perish. And that's not even my point. This is God's point. Look, you can be wicked. You could do all these sinful things. And you could think that the smut on TV and the grotesqueness of this generation and the perversity that is so prevalent in our world today, you can think all those things are great and wonderful and exciting. But in the end, you will perish. That is not an if that is a, it will. It will happen. And I am here on this podcast, using this platform as a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning to those who are unbelievers. Not that people that are unbelievers are going to seek out this channel. <laughs> but it's also a warning for those who are Christians who are maybe flirting with the idea of going back to the world. If you go and transplant yourself back to the barren wasteland, you will not stand in the judgment. You will perish. You will be like the chaff. You'll be like a tree that withers up and gets cut down and burned. You don't want to do that. Yes, this life is going to get hard. Yes, persecution will come. It says very, very clearly in Scripture, those who are of the faith will face persecution. That's what's going to happen. If we follow Jesus Christ, it's going to come. 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say might. Will be. Do you desire to live godly in Jesus Christ or not? Because if you do desire to live godly in Jesus Christ, guess what that means? You are planted by streams of living water. But no matter what happens in this life, no matter what your friends say, no matter what coworkers say, no matter what family says, if you are in Jesus Christ, nothing on this earth will shake you. And why? Because those who are in Christ Jesus, whose roots are deep in the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, will never be put to shame, and our foundations will remain strong because Christ is our strength and our foundation. And going back to Matthew, which we just hammered this point home about the unbelievers, about the wicked, about the sinful, those who are in the barren wasteland. But if you, my brothers and sisters, are in Jesus Christ, if you are planted by streams of living water and your life is in Christ Jesus, as we found in previous episodes in Galatians 2.20, so if Galatians 2.20, right now, I'm going to read this to you before we go back to Matthew 7. If this is you, you are planted by streams of living water. Galatians 2.20, powerful scripture. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Planted in him means you are crucified with him. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. And the life that you do live is not in the flesh, but it's in faith in the Son of God. That's what it means. 
Now, going back to Matthew 7, if you are crucified with Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, Master, and Savior, and you are planted by the streams of the living water, this is your hope, this is your security, and this is your promise. Matthew 7, 24 and 25, just two verses previous to 26 and 27. 26 and 27 are about the unrighteous and what their fate will be, their doom. But this is the promise of the believer in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, starting 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, those are the people, my friends, that are planted by streams of living water, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Who is the rock? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. That is your promise. When divine judgment comes upon you, Jesus is our defense. He is our life. He is our rock-solid foundation. So no matter what comes our way, trials, tribulations, sickness, you name it, whatever it is, and not just that, but the divine judgment to come when you are standing before God Almighty himself, Jesus will stand in your place and say, Lord, he or she is mine. I purchased them with my blood. I paid for their sins. They believed in me with their whole entire hearts. They trusted in me. They put their faith in me. They relied on my grace and not their own. They obeyed me. They followed me. They were my disciple. And they loved me more than they loved themselves or this world. They gave up all hope of any righteousness on their own to get to heaven. But they trusted in me and me alone. Those are the people that will withstand divine judgment because Jesus Christ is our Lord, Master, and Savior. And as we start to wrap up, here's some things I want to share with you. A couple points here. So we really hammer this point hard about where we are planted by streams of living water or barren wasteland. We saw both of them. But one of the points I want to make is I want to look at the blessings of being planted in Christ. Well, let's look at the blessings. One of the blessings is that we will have the mind of Christ, which you can find in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Uh, it says in the first verse of Psalm 1 that we are blessed. Point number three is that we are fruitful. And one of my last points here, point four, is that we will endure through every trial in this life and in the life to come. Now we're not talking about we're not talking about having trials in the afterlife. We're talking about divine judgment. So let's look at just some real quick contrast between the righteous and the unrighteous or the wicked. The righteous in these six verses in chapter one of Psalm, here's our the final points I want to make today. So the righteous are blessed, they delight in God and his law, they are planted by streams of water, they yield its fruit, their leaves never wither, and whatever they do, they prosper. They are able to stand in judgment, and they are known by God, and therefore they will live forever with him. And now let's look at the wicked. 
in these six verses, we find that they are cursed. They hate God and his law. They're like chaff. They're worthless. They bear no fruit. They're useless. Unable to stand in judgment. They are unknown by God. And their way will perish. It doesn't get any more intense than that. Psalm chapter 1 is such a unique, powerful study. And therefore, I have to beg the, this last and final question. Where are you planted? Are you planted in Jesus Christ by streams of living water? Or are you planted in the barren wasteland of this world? Brothers and sisters, this life, like I said a few minutes ago, will get difficult. Hard times will come. Persecutions will rise up against us. But we have something that this world does not have. We have a Savior who over 2,000 years ago, in just a few weeks from now, drank the world's sin and bore the complete and full wrath of God on our behalf so that we can have forgiveness of sins through trust and faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And not only did he die on that cross and shed his blood for our sins, but he was buried in a tomb and gloriously, powerfully, triumphantly rose three days later from the dead. So as we get close to this time of Resurrection Sunday, you need to answer the question that was posed to you today. Are you planted in Jesus Christ? Are you firmly rooted and established in Him? Or are the cares and worries of this world choking out the Word of God in your life? Are the cares and worries of this world, the pleasures of this world, the desires of the flesh starting to attempt to take over your love and devotion, obedience to Jesus Christ? Those are really challenging questions to ask. But as we have been warned about the wicked, the sinful, and those who are planted in the barren wasteland. Do everything in your power to remain in Jesus Christ. Open up your Bibles. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Put on the full armor of God. Bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Increase in the qualities found in 2 Peter 1. Remain in Jesus Christ. Continue in his teachings. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because if you do all those things, you will remain established rooted and planted in Jesus Christ by the streams of the living water. We must remain. We must endure. And one way we can do that successfully on this earth is with each other, united in Christ, 
like-minded, in prayer, obedience to the gospel, obedience to the word of the Lord, and become as intimate with Christ as possible. The time is running out. The time is running short. Each passing moment, each minute, each hour, each week, each month, each year flows faster and faster. But if we remain in Jesus Christ, he will remain in us. And because of Christ and Christ alone, we will be able to stand when divine judgment comes. How glorious, how wonderful, how amazing is our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.